Parenting is tough. Of course, there are countless beautiful moments throughout one's parenting journey, but there's no sugarcoating around the challenge of raising and nurturing a human. As someone that isn't a parent myself, one thing I've observed around the parenting community is how quick people, both parents and non-parents alike, can be to judge, comment on, or even look down upon a person's parenting. And in some ways, environmentalism can be similar in that people, and in no way do I mean all people, can be really judgmental towards the environmental journeys or choices of others. And that's a huge reason why Jordan and I started Imperfect Eco Hero, to create a safe community of caring folks who genuinely want to do better for the planet, where we can learn, connect, and grow with others without being shamed. But what happens when you're shamed for your parenting or for your choice of becoming a parent at all in relation to environmentalism and the climate crisis? How can you talk to your child about climate change without overwhelming them? How do you raise an imperfect eco-hero? These are all questions that today's guest Dawn, or better known as D2, will talk about in this episode. Hey, this is Jordan. And this is Mimi. And welcome to the Imperfect Eco Hero Podcast. The series that connects community, normalizes imperfections, and empowers heroes. D2 currently works in change management communications for a major financial institution where they have nurtured their strategic planning and graphic design skill sets. They also manage Start the Way's graphic design needs for all channels and communications. They are passionate about how positive change can impact the world and strongly believe in the work Start the Wave is doing to achieve that goal. They are a constant advocate for kindness in all forms and use that as a foundational pillar in raising their son, Toby. When they aren't working or volunteering, you'll find D2 spending time with Toby, creating art in any form they feel inspiration from, and enjoying nature on one of the many hiking trails near home. Jordan and I met D2 through Start the Wave when we first began planning for the launch of this podcast. In our first meeting with them, D2 gave us practical and strategic advice on the communication side of the project. However, as we got to know them better in the weeks and months that followed, we realized how relatable their journey of environmentalism was. When D2 mentioned the added layers of environmentalism when it comes to parenting, we knew we needed to share their story because it's one in which we think a lot of folks can connect with and learn from whether you're a parent yourself or not. Hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we did recording it. We're very excited to have you on Imperfect Eco Hero today. So thank you so much for joining us and for agreeing to to share your journey with us and to talk about the way you navigate environmentalism and the climate crisis. Uh, I'm just going to jump into the first question, which is, what was your journey getting started to start the wave? And how did you get into environmental activism? Um, My journey for start the wave... um... It was kind of interesting. I think, um, you know, Dom has explained this multiple times on multiple different panels. Um, And when I was thinking about my own journey to getting to start the wave, when I got the questions for this episode, um, it really rang true when I started thinking through things. But, you know, Dom has mentioned multiple times, it just seems like at the right moments when the right people needed to join or we needed, you know, a certain individual with a certain skill set, just magically that connection would somehow organically be made. Um, they've talked a lot about when Porter reached out, like it was basically, we need to become a nonprofit, but we have no idea how, and then boom, Porter emailed them. Um, and that's kind of how, like, 
Dom just randomly emailed a friend of mine um, and I, they just asked like, I have a couple quotes. Would you mind designing them so I can post them on the start the wave account? My friend and I were like, sure. And so we made these couple quotes and that was kind of it. And randomly just one day I was like, I wonder if they need more help. Like I have a ton of free time. Like I could just offer my help and like see what happens. And so I just emailed them and just said, I have free time. If you guys need either help, like this is my like professional portfolio, like outside of graphic design, I know project management I work in communications, you know, all this stuff. So whatever you guys need, um, it was like, oh my gosh, like we need someone for social, like let's set up a call. And, you know, from there it was, yeah, like join the team. And um, that was November, 2019. And so it's just evolved from there. I basically done all the graphics, managed social, and that's evolved into helping with the website. And now I'm stepping in to start like doing more project management for us as we grow and, you know, things like that. And so um, my own eco journey, um, really becoming a parent, I think kind of set that trajectory on its way, so to say, because I wanted to make sure that I was not just setting up a better world as he grew, but I also wanted to set up him to create a better world as he grew and evolved and, and everything. And so I really started focusing on ways to raise him more eco-friendly lessons to teach him as he grew up and making sure that we were adopting those things within our household. So it wasn't like I was telling him as he grew up, oh, like make sure like we shouldn't buy plastic, like plastic pollutes the ocean, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we go grocery shopping and I buy a bunch of plastic, you know? So I was really like, it, it held me accountable to making the right choices because he was always watching. And then, you know, you evolve and you grow and you learn more. And then like your, your steps get more and more and more and more as you like go across this journey. Like you can't do everything day one. Like that's, I think a big mistake that people learn um, is that you can't just be immediately hundred percent eco-friendly from day one. Like it's, it is a journey and it's taken me years to even get like 20% where I am, you know? So, um, and then start the wave was a huge, um, boost to that the last few years because, um, Toby was a huge fan of Dom from Winona. And so it was easy to have that source and that outlet for like his engagement to be like, Oh, you know, like, you know, there's a new video, let's watch it. And he was watching it because he was a fan, but then also it was teaching him a lesson at the same time. And it aligned with all the things I was trying to teach him as he was growing up, you know, the environmental impact, but also like the kindness impact and like treating people the same, no matter who they are. Um, You know, the animal rights, all that kind of stuff was, was stuff I was already teaching. And so um, just been, it's been like this up and down path, but the last few years have definitely been a lot easier. Um, I'm, I'm really curious, would you say then, cause you're saying your eco journey really started a lot when you started, when you started, when you became a parent, would you say that's been because you were thinking a lot about Toby's life in the future? Like, I'm, I'm really curious, like what sparked that change? Cause uh, I'm just curious what your relationship was with nature was like growing up and then being a parent, how did that change it? And if it was thinking a lot about Toby's future, really that was the driving force behind it. Yeah. I mean, growing up, my parents always taught me a love of nature and a respect of nature. And like, we were constantly traveling. Like I've seen a ton of national parks. Like, you know, we didn't like when we took vacations, we didn't like fly and go these crazy places. Like we would drive to the national parks and we would like see 
what was in our own backyard. And when we would be there, it would be those lessons of like, you don't, you know, scare the animals. This is their home. Like we are coming to their home. So you respect them in that sense. Like, yes, they've set it up, you know, for us to come visit, but that doesn't mean that we belong here more than them. And like, I remember being told not to rip the grass out of the ground because like the grass needed to grow and, you know, all these types of like small lessons from when I was a kid. So I always grew up with respect for the planet, but the missing piece was the consumerism and those types of things and the effect they were having. I was always brought up with that respect um, and that focus. And then becoming a parent myself was where I was like, okay, I've always had this mindset and I've had this, but with, you know, all of this news coming out about global warming and, you know, climate change and all this stuff, there's got to be more to this. And then that's when I really started researching, like what else can be done. And I learned all of this new stuff that we could be doing. And then it was really, I want to raise Toby in the same way I was raised to respect. And so same thing, like he's never chased a bird in his life and like, he's never ripped grass out. He doesn't pick flowers. He doesn't rip leaves off tree, you know, like he's brought up with that, like respect for the planet. And then in addition to that, I brought him up with the new aspects of it, like consumerism and fast fashion and all these different impacts that we have by the way we buy things and we consume things um, and how we, you know, live on this earth in addition to just like the nice, respectful things. Wow. That's great that he not only has learned from what you're teaching him, but he can see the mistakes in other, other people and he recognizes it as well. Like with Toby's friends, have you taught him like how to interact with them and like talk about it to them? There's been a couple times where he was a little bit more aggressive and we definitely had a conversation of like, it didn't need to be an argument. Like if they have their opinions and you have your opinions, that's fine. Like you just need to say like, the reason that we do this is this, like, if you want to do it, then do it, you know? Um, Cause there was a, an instance at school with like a reusable bottle. Like he is like super against plastic bottles. Like when he sees people buying them, he's like, don't they just have a reusable bottle? And I'm like, I don't know, Bubba, it's fine, you know? Um, And so like he had gotten um, a little heated at school trying to get like his classmates to bring reusable bottles like he was. Um, And he kind of used like the manipulative, like, um, well, me and -and so-and-so and -and so-and-so and -and so-and-so all bring reusable bottles. So like, why aren't you bringing a reusable bottle? And I was like, you don't Mm -hmm. need to be mean about it. You don't need to make them feel bad about it because- kids your age don't have control over that. Like there's a lot of things that go into it. Like their parents may not be able to afford them a bottle right now. Like their parents, like even if they went to their mom and dad and said, I really want to reuse a bottle because I want to be more eco-friendly, their parents could say no because their parents may not care. Like, so like kids your age don't have a lot of control over this right now. So you can do your best and like educate them and try to get them to do it. But like, you can't make it an argument or a fight. But like a big thing with, Like when I talked earlier about like start the wave and like the, a lot of the pillars that we have are the things that I've taught him, which is one of the biggest things I've taught him since, you know, before he could talk probably was to be kind and be compassionate and like treat people nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that comes in a lot, like just naturally to him. And so like, like he's not very confrontational anyway. Um, But yeah, I think, I think he's done a good job so far. (laughs) sounds like it yeah Yeah. I love that how do you feel like your relationship with nature has 
influenced your career? Like I want to talk about how it's influenced your parenting a little bit more, but first I just want to circle back to your career and especially with Start the Wave and like, why do you think art specifically around like climate change or biodiversity helps in the process of learning as well as connecting people to the bigger picture? Um, As far as my career, I mean, it hasn't um, impacted like as far as like my job job, (laughs) I save my job job and then I say start the wave because like um, I I consider them both jobs, Um, but like my day job, um, it's, I I was working there before I had Toby and I've built an amazing career there. Um, And so I haven't like changed my career or, you know, my focus like that um, because of this, but I can appreciate and I push for things at my company um, and to make us more eco-friendly even just within like my internal team. Um, and I'm part of our pride, um, employee resource group there. And, um, we were talking in 2018, I think it was, um, about what we could be doing to set us, to set ourselves apart and events like within our company, it's just easy to get like pallets of plastic water bottles and like cans of soda and all this stuff for the events to give everyone refreshments and whatever. And I was like, you know, what could set us apart is if we make a green pledge for our ERG and we just say from this point on, starting with the new year and moving forward, we will no longer supply water bottles or drinks at any of our events. We will have the cafe bring in infused waters and punches. And if you bring your own cup, you can have a beverage. And everybody at the company has been given multiple reusable cups and water Mm -hmm. bottles over the years. So everyone has one. And so we're like, if they have one, tell them to bring it. We're saving money out of our budget for our events so we can get better swag giveaways, like all that kind of stuff. We're being green by not, you know, providing these things. Um, and it like all, almost all the ERGs adopted it after that, like, you nice. know, and so it really set us up. Um, and then within our own team, we would do expos and things. And I was always in charge of the purchasing and it was just like, we would get a box full of boxes, full of boxes, full of things wrapped in plastic and it just drove me crazy. And so I pushed the last year we did an expo, which was 2019. I pushed to do one large giveaway item instead of like multiple small ones to reduce the waste. Um, and so I've, I've done little things like that. I've tried to make my impact in small ways um, in that way. Um, and they always feel really good um, when you, when you've been able to do that. And I think I like to see that it influences other people to do the same thing because other businesses, the units that did expos adopted the same strategy. I don't know if they did it for the eco-friendly part or the convenience part, but either way, it still reduced waste. And so it was a win. But I love that. But I was curious for you to looking at your art from before to now, I've noticed you incorporated a lot of nature and, and the environment in your art. And I'm curious if, as your relationship with nature has evolved, if you've incorporated it more into your art intentionally, because I don't know a lot of your pieces, when I look at them, especially your latest digital pieces, like they're Mm -hmm. stunning and they really capture like the earth and nature like so well but at the same time I'm like is there like is this like a a way of like talking about climate change too like with the whale watching is it like us looking into the future when whales have gone extinct from all of our things like I don't know I was looking at this and maybe reading a little too much into it but I was like but it's like it's one of those things where like I think people forget that art plays such a invaluable role in like communication in particular 
I wish I was that smart. <laughs> um, I wish I like had this vision that you had. It was like, yes, I'm making this piece of art. Um, yeah, my creative process is way more organic than that. Like, um, I feel like, and I, if you've noticed, like you went down this rabbit hole, um, like sometimes I'll post like three things in a week. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've posted anything in like a few weeks or a month, like, because I wait for it to like, almost like come to me. Like, it's almost just like an inspiration where it's just like, I need to sit down and make this. And sometimes I only know one thing that's going to go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that whale was, I think the last thing I added to that piece. And it was just randomly like, I need something in the sky. And I just like, start like Google, like searching, um, different things and then like all I saw that whale and I was like oh my gosh like whale watching like it's like they're in the sky and the stars and whatever and just kind of went with it but it's almost like I go into I wouldn't necessarily say like a trance like I'm not like shut off to the world but it is it's almost like I'm just in this like I don't really know what I'm thinking half the time and I'm just like typing and then I'm like cutting and like cropping things and like just layering them all up and then sometimes they work and sometimes they don't sometimes I erase things and start over and um and they just come together like uh I wish I had a better vision but now that you bring that up now I'm like I want to like start going into these with a little bit more intention and seeing what comes out of it that's interesting I honestly thought that was intentional especially because the last pieces you have were all about like we're all um nature focused I think I mean I think the presence of nature in my art is probably more like a, just a subconscious of like how much I feel connected to nature and how much I love being outside and like in the mountains hiking and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's probably more of just that subconscious, like the layers of me coming through. I'm curious <laughs> if like you've kind of felt the other way, like, have you ever been really educated about the environmental movement through a piece of art? Like if you saw something, you were like, yes, like this is something I want to incorporate, not necessarily as an artist, but just into your life. I don't think I have. I've only recently really, like I've always been very artistic. And this is, this is one of the things that I think top of my list of what I will be most thankful for with my journey for Start the Wave is it's really reignited this like fire in me to be artistic and be creative. Um, and so I've actually not been following a lot of artists and looking at a lot of artwork as much as I have in the last like year. So I haven't had that experience yet. Like Mm -hmm. I just started following, I think Jordan, you were the one that told me, did you tell me to start following Mitty? Yes. Yes. Really cool photographer. That photography. Yeah. Is just amazing. She's like this cool art photographer that I found actually what we to, to highlight um, artists on our eco hero page. Cause I realized we were, I was highlighting so many like scientists and like people doing like very specific sciencey things, but she's like mm-hmm. a conservation photographer who explores humanity's relationship with the planet, as well as like Ooh. the possibilities of like a mindful, sustainable future. Um, right on. Her name is, uh, Christina Ghosh Meitemer. She's a Mexican writer and marine biologist. But no, but that that's actually really cool because I was gonna say your art 
on start the wave is is really like like amazing like i love how especially the the new design that you guys have that's all kind of interconnected and all the colors and themes are are related to the pillars like i was curious if just doing the art even on start the wave if you've actually thought like changed your own style too like i don't like i know you kind of like, have this theme going are you kind of thinking about a, a like an upcoming theme like a different way of kind of showcasing start the wave in their pillars at all yeah um we dom and i sat down um and came up with this idea to do this theme for two cycles so we said a year but because of um the way that the, the pillars have run and like certain, cause we do them by the lunar cycles. And so some pillars have taken longer because of where the moons fall. Um, but it's definitely taken my creativity within start the wave to a new level because it's not just designing an individual square, which was what was it was before. Like, and so what we really liked about this approach um, when we came up with it in December was you know, start the wave and our pillars are very intersectional. And like we, like we have our resource pages that we've been launching and a lot of the like podcasts or books or movies on those things, we may put them on the meditation list, but they also relate to kindness and they might relate to animal rights. Um, and so they're, they're so intersectional and this is a way for it to just show that they flow together on top of that, it's like a huge scrapbook, which I like think is awesome. And it's, it's like a collage, mm -hmm. um, but on a larger scale. And that's definitely where my collage art, I think, came from. I definitely think the, the new approach to start the wave and the creativity and the design there definitely did influence kind of my personal pieces as well. Nice. That's awesome. And they're great. Uh, I was curious why they, why you're this, why it's cycling around the lunar cycle. So the lunar cycle means a lot to Dom and we were highlighting those prior and the moon, the lunar cycles and, you know, that type of thing definitely feeds into the meditation and spirituality pillar. Um, and so we were, we were trying to figure out, um, where the break would be like, do we do it by month? Um, you know, some months, um, and I think it was just one of those, like, you know, downloads that was just like, we should just do it by the lunar cycle. And then that way we can call out the lunar cycles without drawing crazy attention to them. Like we did before, because we wanted to kind of back off those still call attention to them, still bring attention to them because like, we feel that they're important, but we don't need to have a post like a whole grid square for each new moon and each full moon. Um, and then it just worked from there. I was like, yeah, like we can just say like, it's a new lunar cycle. So now let's have a new focus. And that's what lunar cycles are about is like each lunar cycle, you're supposed to set, set new intentions and new focuses and new things to grow on. I just think it's really beautiful when we like, we let nature influence our lives like that. A few years ago, I was working on a farm and like when we had an afternoon off or a day off, it was because it was raining or what, you know, like, like nature really controlled our day to day. And I love that. Like you, you ate when you got hungry and, and. And even just like working underneath the lunar cycles. I think that's so cool. Like screw January 1st. That's just like a, yeah. like a created date by capitalism. I don't even know who created <laughs> the, the calendar. It's likely <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> well, I know, I know like the, the current calendar was created through like Catholicism and, and the Vatican. Right. So like, yeah. I think that's so much cooler is like following nature and let, let, letting nature guide us. And I think that's, 
at least for me, I think that's the way that we need to be navigating the climate crisis is like Mm -hmm. listening to nature more and being more in tune with that. Even if it means like something like scheduling your social media based on the moon, right? I just like the intention setting too. I hadn't actually Mm -hmm. realized that that's what the lunar cycle uh, meant was just kind of setting intentions for a new, I guess, rotation of the moon should know this. I did physics. Um, yeah, I'm assuming it's a rotation of the moon. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I love that. Cause that also now, I think that's, what's so cool about art is like, I think people who don't know, start the way would just see it and be like, Oh, that's really cool. But then when you realize everything is so interconnected, I think it just also speaks to the bigger picture of what climate change really is. And like Mimi said, like having mm-hmm. our lives are really dictated by nature, especially with climate change now too so I love that art has a way of just like meaning so many different things almost I there was a quote that I really liked from Aristotle that said like art not only imitates nature but it also completes it in its deficiencies I thought that was an interesting way that art plays Mm. into all this but um I think for me like art and having it be done in a very creative and impactful way um, can get people's attention more than like a news article with like a header that just is words and it's things they've heard over and over and over again as they scroll, you know, the internet. There's actually a really great account on Instagram called Amplify Art um, that that um, talks about like, really important issues just through art. Like there's no text usually, it is just an art piece. And I remember it like, there's a really cool climate photojournalist. Her name is um, Alana Tarabla, and she's a photographer and her photographs on climate change are fascinating. But she said, you know, a good photograph, a good piece of art or a story taps into your most primal emotions and helps us process the depth of climate change as a societal problem. And I think that's exactly what you're saying that I think facts don't do alone. And I think are almost... Um, acts as like this bridge um, for that communication barrier. But yeah, we can now jump back also to parenting. Uh, So this might be a personal question. You definitely don't have to answer if you don't feel comfortable, but we're curious, like before you became a parent, if you had any like hesitations or concerns about having a child um, with all of these environmental issues and like, how did you kind of navigate that kind of hesitation or maybe insecurity or fear about it? If you even had it at all. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I like it. There was that moment I had returned to work. Toby was a few months old. Um, and there was a coworker of mine who was like always talking about global warming, you know, always, you know, but, but they were that aggressive person that you just didn't want to listen to. And so I didn't listen to them very much because of the way they approached it. And so I'd come back from work for a few months after Toby was born and I was sitting there it was one of those times where I think, I don't think that she meant to say it in front of me. Like, I think if she would have like really thought who was around her, she wouldn't have said it. I don't think she's that kind of person. And they were reading an article about the global warming and they were spitting off all this stuff. And I was just kind of sitting there rolling my eyes. And, and they were just like, you know, this is just a joke. Like, I don't know what kind of monster brings a child into this world. And I was just like, oof, I just had a kid, you know? And then it was like, should, should I be worried? Like, are there things that I should be researching? Like, 
is there like validity to this? Should be like, should people stop having kids? And granted, I live in Utah where like most families have like eight kids. It's like, I'm in this environment where ever, like I was crazy for not having a kid yet. And so it was just like this crazy swirl of what, what do I do? Cause I had the pressure of not having a kid from like the, you know, community and environment that I live in. And then I have this lady telling me I shouldn't have had a kid. Like, so what's the truth? Um, and that was when I really started doing my research. And like, like I talked about earlier, taking what, like the love of the planet and nature and respecting that for that, for my parents. And then like, okay, now that we have all this new stuff that my coworker keeps talking about that I keep ignoring her because the way she comes across, what can I learn on my own about that stuff? And then incorporate those and figure out a plan of how to bring this child into the world with an advantage to hopefully do better. And so, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have any hesitation or anything like that going into it. It wasn't anything that I even thought about, but I am very thankful for that person with that comment, no matter how hard it was to hear. And like the panic that I I went through for a little while, like it definitely opened my eyes and then kind of set me on that path of, of doing better. I find that story so interesting for so many reasons. And one of the things I'm really curious to know is when you started to do that research, first of all, how did you even start to do that? Because I feel like that's that's a huge topic to start to research and kind of like, what was the emotional journey that you went through as you were doing this research and as you were learning? There wasn't, I mean, this was 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago. So, I mean, it was still a ways back. There wasn't a ton except just basically like, polar ice caps are melting and icebergs are disappearing. And you would see like the starving polar bear on an iceberg and, you know, different things like that. So it wasn't, it definitely wasn't where it is now where we can see all the different aspects. Um, A lot of it was very basics, basic starters that like, I think nowadays everyone is like, well, duh, no one does like, no, no one worries about that. Like everyone knows better than to do those things, you know? Mm-hmm. Those were the new things to worry about back then. And so it was, it was basically just getting on Google and just like typing in global warming and then just reading as much as I could about what was there. And it's hard. I mean, you, you know, better now, like I know better now about misinformation. There was a bunch of stuff that I read that put me into a panic that like was like completely inflated and, and from the wrong perspective. But yeah, it was definitely like an emotional roller coaster of just knowing the right thing. Because I think for me, it was interesting because you already have the pressure of being a new parent and wanting to do right by your child and wanting to bring them up properly and wanting to feel like you're a good parent. And then while I'm like already trying to navigate that, I added the pressure on myself of now I also need to make sure I'm doing this. And I'm focusing on these things and I am doing better. And I'm, I am like almost like justifying having my child, which I don't think was fair. I don't think I I needed to do that. Um, But it's what I felt at the time. Like I felt like I needed to justify myself to this person who I had no connection to. And so it was definitely, it was, it was an interesting few years until I kind of got my feet uh, under me and, and got a good plan together to just kind of continually educate myself and figure out ways to get that information to Toby that he could digest at his age. Would you say that like having Toby almost he- also held you ac- accountable for your own environmentalism too? Because I, I think for anyone who who's just starting out and doing that research, like it's so overwhelming. And I, I know for a lot of people, it caught it, 
creates like almost this sense of just like overwhelming distress. And I know that it can force a lot of people to just not do anything, but as a parent, Mm -hmm. you almost don't have that as an option. Oh yeah. Like I know I always, as a parent, I always have eyes on me like constantly, like, and I think you learn that early on into parenting when you think like, they're not going to see this. And then you do something, why'd you do that mom? And it's like, like, I didn't even know you were standing right there, you know, like, um, and so you just, you constantly have those eyes on you. And so, yeah, there's been, it's, it's held me accountable. And there's been those times, like you said, like it's, it's a lot, it's work. And it's, I mean, you have to want to do the work, you know, and there's been times where, you know, the thought goes through my mind, like, we're going to like a big picnic or we're going camping or we're doing something. And like the thoughts that like, it would just be so easy to buy a pallet of water right now, instead of packing all of these bottles for the weekend. And I'm like, Toby would not be happy if I went and bought a pallet of water right now. And it holds me accountable. And so, yeah, there's definite, like, he definitely keeps me in check because I, I want to do the work for myself, but I also want to do it for him, but I also don't want him to be disappointed or not be proud because I'm not taking the steps I've been teaching him to do. If that makes sense. Totally. Definitely. Yeah. How do you navigate the pressure that you might feel as a parent to like not slip up? I, I would like, I'm not a parent myself, so I don't have that lived experience, but just you describing that, that would be very, that could be very overwhelming. Right. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's never been too much at once. I guess is the, probably the big part is it's just like those passing moments, like when we're getting ready to go camping or going away for the weekend and, you know, it would just be easier not to pack all of this extra stuff so we can be eco-friendly on our trip. Like I want to stand behind what I'm teaching him and I want to have that integrity in, if I tell my son not to do something, I shouldn't be doing it. Oh, I love that. I wish I had that integrity too. Cause I definitely have that type of person who also, oh, if it's easier, I'm just going to go, go that way. My mom always says, yeah. uh, people do what they are. No, people don't do what they're expected to do. They do what they're inspected. Like, like, like what people mm-hmm. actually see. Yeah, it's that is. Some, have you ever for your own self, like how do you deal with your own mental health regarding climate change? And do you have those type of conversations with, with your son as well? Like, how do you navigate just if he, if he ever feels overwhelmed, what to do about it? Like I've, I've just recognized in myself the need to focus on mental health and like how different times in my life, I was probably dealing with anxiety or depression and I just didn't know any better. And like, it wasn't something we ever talked about. And so I didn't seek help. And it's only been, you know, something that I've, I've sought help for the last year or so, um, and have gone to therapy and been focusing on it and having conversations with Toby just in general about mental health. Like I haven't really drawn a connection between the two, but like right now in like the moment that we're in, like, I feel like, um, I don't have a lot of anxiety or anything around where we're at and what we're doing. And I feel like in the situation that we're in, we're doing the best we can. Um, and I think that comes down to, um, not to jump ahead, like the imperfect part of being an eco hero is knowing that like, you can't do everything at once and you just, you have to be like comfortable and confident in the work that you are able to do. Mm -hmm. You just, you just said that you're imperfect and I would agree that I'm imperfect too. And I think Jordan can agree for herself as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, do you consider yourself an eco hero both in the sense of like, as an artist and as a parent? 
I I would say 100% I feel that in my parenting just because I feel like the lessons that I've taught are getting across, you know, when he's coming to me with ways that we can be more eco-friendly or he's coming to me with school assignments and he's chosen to write about something that goes along with Start the Wave and like reducing plastic and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I feel like part of being a hero is making other people's lives better. And so like, I feel like I'm confident in my parenting to say that I'm doing that for him. That's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. One other thing that you've you've touched upon a couple times throughout this interview is just the idea of like becoming an eco hero slowly. Like you don't have to go from zero to a hundred, and you just like take it in digestible amounts and go on your own journey of like learning and and discovering. And I think that's really beautiful and really important as well. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes, especially when you were describing that, like the process of research that you went through, sometimes that could be very scary. You just want to do everything at once, right? But mm-hmm. I really like how you were able to ground yourself and, and just take it as a journey. Cause I think that's what it is. It is a journey. Well, and I think that's like, I think there's two like common misperceptions just with life in general that can relate to, you know, anything which can relate to being an eco hero. One is that everything needs to be done at once. Like, I don't know where this mentality comes from, but it is so inbred in our society that like, you just need to know everything from day one, which is, it's really interesting. Cause it's like, our kids are born, you go through like, 12 years of school, (laughs) like to get to a point where you, you are a functioning adult, apparently. Um, it takes time to learn things and like grow and understand. And I think everything's like that. Um, nobody's going to be exactly the same. Everybody's going to succeed and fail different, different times, different lengths of time, different times in their lives, like different ages. I mean, everything you're going to fail in different ways. You're going to succeed in different ways, but everybody has that journey and they're not perfect from day one. Um, and the second thing is I don't think perfection exists and I don't think it's anything people should attain, like try to attain to get, because I think it just, it can almost demotivate people because it is so hard because I feel like it's impossible to be perfect. And so you can always feel like you're failing if you're trying to attain perfection. And so that's like with me, like with the, the eco stuff is it's like, there's always things I wish I could be doing. There's always more I wish I could be doing, but I do what I can. Do you think the reason why people struggle with that? Cause, um, I, you just described my entire start to trying to go more eco and <laughs> I switched completely to veganism all in one go without really doing much research. I like tried to go, fully zero waste, buying diva cups and everything. And like, I just tried to do a lot at once and failed miserably and then felt terrible for it after. Um, But I found for me, what was so hard was, I guess no one ever really talked about it. I found with most people, like most accounts, everything I tried to follow, it was always like success stories. Um, It was always like, oh yeah, I went vegan and it was easy or I did this and it was good. Like, I'm curious for you, like, were there people along this journey that, that have taught you this and who've talked about their failures or like, or is that just kind of who you are? Um, I I think that's just, I'm, I think that's just my basic processing mode, (laughs) um, is to just kind of go with the flow, um, and do the best I can. But it, it was very helpful that like my best friend, um, he also works with me. 
and we shared an office. And so when I would start going more eco-friendly with things at the office, um, and it really kicked off with Start the Wave, like Dom's first video with the water bottle. Like I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I made sure like I brought in a reusable cup for our, my coffee every morning on top of like, cause I was just doing like the paper cups in the cafe, not thinking too much of it. Cause, oh, it was paper. It's not plastic. Like still waste we don't need you know and he was like what are you doing and I was like I'm not using any more cups like while I'm here like I have my bottle but now I'm like gonna use the coffee cup and everything he was like oh really like and so then I would show him the videos as they would come out at work we'd watch them on our computers and so then it like got him to be like okay and like so we've over the last you know three or four years just shared tips like he's like hey have you read this and he'll like send me an article about some kickstarter for like some new composting bin um that's definitely helped hold me accountable and like helped um, also have someone who's just like, I tried this and it sucked and hear those like bad stories. Um, But yes, that is an unfortunate thing with what you hear because you do the way our media skews everything is you only hear the success stories. And so I think that's just everything in life. We only hear success stories and you have to really dig for the real like journey failure, succeed, failure, succeed stories, um, because they're not part of our mainstream media, but they're important because there's way more stories like ours than there are the ones on Google. (laughs) I think, yeah, I keep like breaking down like everything you're saying and like seeing like the themes and what you're saying. And I think it's super cool Mm -hmm. because another one, like in addition to like don't take everything on at once. Another one is like progress isn't necessarily linear. Right. And I think again, Mm -hmm. that that works for environmentalism, but I think that works for like every facet of our life. Parenting too. (laughs) Yeah. And like, yeah, we are inundated with like these ideas of like success and yeah, you're not necessarily, it's not always going to be like success, success, success. It's going to be a lot of failures. It's going to be a lot of trial and error. And I think that's really beautiful. And I think that's like super relatable and like everything you were saying, I was like, yes, like I can totally relate to that. And I love that about you. And I love that about like all of our guests that we talk to is like how human they are. Baby steps is definitely like my biggest advice when it comes to really anything. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause like I, I did that with veganism as well, Jordan. Like I was just like, Oh, going vegan. Oh yeah. No, that backfired. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard to just cold Turkey that thing, man. And so I, I did it cold Turkey for like, I think a month, month and a half. And then it was like one day I was like, and I was like, Oh, there's just, I'm like sick of black bean burgers. Like they're dry. Like, uh, and I just like, I went ham on a hamburger made me sick for one. And then I just completely fell off the wagon and just went back to eating normal. And I was like, no, no, I want to do, there's a reason I want to do this. Like there's like reason. Um, and I'd been thinking about going vegan for probably a year or two before the start the way video on it. And I didn't even know that there was environmental impacts to it until the video. I just wanted to go like for the animal stuff, the health stuff, like that kind of thing. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do the, do this in baby steps. And so I did like, I was just like, okay, what can I live without? I can live without red meat. So I cut red meat for a month and then it was like, okay, now what can I cut? Okay, well, let's just cut everything but fish and I'll cut my dairy consumption by 50%. And then I cut all dairy and I just kept fish and eggs for a little bit. And then I just got rid of those and and now I'm vegan. But I mean, it took a good four to six months to like really just be like, this is the new normal now. 
And I would even say that's like on the shorter end, like, Mm -hmm. like, even if you took like years to get there, like, oh, yeah, like, like, yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. I think, like, with the the perfection and like the all in, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you don't even have to be vegan. That's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, we get that, that response a lot, even when whenever we share anything vegan on Start the Wave, we do get those responses of like, I've tried and I just can't or you know, we definitely have, you know, veganism is very ableist, which we recognize and mm-hmm. we understand. Um, it's, it comes with, with a lot of privilege because it's more expensive. Like we understand all those things and we try to, as best we can acknowledge that in our captions and the information that we share. Um, but we're also not telling anyone they have to be vegan. We're just educating people on why we are or why it's important or why we should be advocating for it because of the impact that the meat and dairy industry have on us and the world and animals and everything. But like, even if you just have meatless Mondays once a week, like that's still an impact. Like, I mean, every, every little thing someone does, like, even if you don't do anything else eco-friendly except buy a reusable bottle bottle, like you're still doing something Mm -hmm. and like those things should be celebrated. And I think because we put that pressure on people to be perfect and be all in, they can't celebrate and appreciate the small steps they have taken. And I think that's what I want people to like take away is like everything you do for the betterment of our planet, the humans living on it, the animals living on it, everything you do, no matter how big or small is an impact and you should be proud of it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Imperfect Eco Hero. Stay connected with us through our Instagram at imperfect underscore ecohero or email us at imperfectecohero at gmail.com. If you want to learn more about our podcast or see resources related to this episode, visit our website imperfectecohero.com.